Father, once again we thank you for this, your written word, which tells us about your living word, Jesus. May our thoughts and our attitudes be focused on him now as we come around your word, that your supremacy may be our chief concern and that you would be the centre and that we would leave here not only knowing that we have met with each other, but that we have heard from you, the living God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Well, last week, if you were here, we looked together at the first eight verses of this magnificent chapter 12 in Paul's letter to the Romans. And firstly, we saw together that as Christians, we are to give our whole life worship to him. And we do this because we are being transformed into the image of his son, Jesus. Are we not? This Jesus, who is to be our master, our Lord, and our king, and we are to be his servants. And as a result, we will be able to then think about ourselves appropriately. And then we saw together, we are to serve this God who is our master with our various gifting. Of the list given by Paul, we look together briefly at serving, encouraging, giving and mercy. Probably some of the more, the less spectacular gifts in our modern thinking. We are one body and we have many opportunities to serve generously as we seek to glorify Jesus in everything that we do, both as individuals and as a church here in the New Forest. So how's your life transformation been going this week? How have you changed from last week, if you've changed at all? How have you used and developed your unique abilities and spiritual gifts this past week? And how are you planning on using them in the week ahead? Who have you encouraged that you wouldn't normally have encouraged? If anybody. I checked with the admin team, by the way. That was last week. Now this week, we continue on in chapter 12 and Paul's practical outworking of our thinking about God and what it is to be in a dynamic relationship with God. And we start in verse 9. Love must be sincere. Or as another translation puts it, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. To have a gift or gifts such as those we looked at last week is a sign of God's love for you. That is why we call them gifts. Therefore, we are to love others, all others, and in doing so, we will reflect God's love. If we're doing it because the love of God is burned deep into our souls and for the welfare of other people, then we really do love other people, don't we? I mean, really loving them. And most people can smell out fake love in an instant. I know people outside the church who can. And if we're doing things for our own interest and our own welfare and we're patronising towards others or as a means to manipulate them, then that is fake love and God is not being honoured. Wrong way. 
The love Paul was writing here is an extraordinary love, a sacrificial love in action. Love without pretense or hypocrisy. This is to be real love, brothers and sisters. That includes loving those who wouldn't naturally be the target of our love, say an Australian to the English people, including those who hate us and those who have done us wrong by winning the ashes, but the women are getting back. And to love only those who love us is what those outside the church expect as normal behaviour, don't they? But as Christians, we are to do more and to be seen to to love more than any other people. I know because they tell me. And it can be hard to do. But if we use the power and the wisdom and the counsel of the Holy Spirit who lives within each of us as believers, then we can do it. And if we're having difficulty loving people, then we ask him to help us and he will help us. Will he not? We then, of course, have to be willing to be used by him, as well as being willing to be the answer to our own prayers, which we often forget to do, don't we? Or am I alone in that? And we look for opportunities to show genuine love to all folk, including the unlovely. And how is this invisible God seen? God is seen through Christian disciples showing love for other people. If a church can be clearly seen to be extraordinarily loving others, the gospel message, the radical story of God's love can have an enormous impact. And as Christians, we are to be so filled and energised with God's love and grace that it constitutes a magnetic attraction to others of the majestic goodness of the awesome God that we serve and obey, doesn't it? Is that your God? Awesome and majestic? That we meet every day, talk to him all through the day, and sometimes he even gives you a clip round the ear. But again, that's probably just me. A motive for all things is to be love. That includes gently restoring people who may have strayed away back into a living, a life that is worthy of following the God if they are Christian. How and in what way do we love, really love God and truly love other people? That is what Paul is coming to next. We are to love God and love others. Leviticus 19, that book of joy, Jesus quotes it when, he, when he's asked about when the Pharisees tell him about the ask him about the greatest commandments, doesn't he? So we're to love God and love other people. Disobedience of God or sin is a failure to love God and a failure to love other people. We break God's commandments when we do not show love of Him or to love other people. How do we love God? The primary way of showing that we love God is to love others, says the Apostle John in 1 John chapter 4. Sin is not just committed by breaking God's rules in what we call active disobedience. We can also commit sin by not doing what we ought to do. And we call this passive disobedience, don't we? Oh, it's easy to love our friends and those we actually like. 
And it's easy to love those around us, including those we don't know. Ah, but our enemies off. Come on, Paul, fair go, mate. Well, again, is that just my experience? And we see constantly in the media and elsewhere that regarding our enemies were to be either confrontational or at best just ignore them. How is it possible to love our enemies? It's only with the help of God and his abundant grace and love towards us as we depend once more on that Holy Spirit who lives within us. Sometimes he's the forgotten member of the Trinity, isn't he? We ask God to use us and with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and sealing us as being God's very possession to cause us to imagine how we can help. Causing us to have a creative passion to do the seemingly difficult and impossible. And by relying on the power and strength of this Holy Spirit, we can actively love all people, including our enemies. We're to be seen to love more than other people. As Christians, we're to be radically different from others in that we are to love extraordinarily and extravagantly because we're compelled as we reflect on our love of God through loving other people. We don't have to like others as friends, but we do have to love them as fellow human beings. But what kind of love is this? Is it a friendly love or perhaps a romantic love? Nope. It's, I'm sure we've all heard of that word agape, haven't we? It's a love that is sacrificial and selfless. It's a love that is giving of one's very self in order that the Christian is of service to other people regardless of any relation between them or none. The Christian is to love other people sacrificially, echoing the very way that God loved and continues to love people. The Christian is to be so filled with God's love and grace that it acts as a magnetic attraction to others of the majestic goodness and love of God. The very God we claim to love, serve, obey and follow. And by loving others in this way, the gospel becomes attractive and undeniable. What would Ringwood be like if every Christian in this town truly acted like that? Well, I would say this place would be overflowing. I think you can be pretty sure of that. And the prime hallmark of being a Christian is to love. And can we run out of this type of love? No, because it's always topped up by the grace of God we love, adore and worship and claim to serve. And the Apostle Paul here, at the end of, in the rest of chapter 12, gives over 20 ways in which the Christian can show love. To show their love of God and their love of others. All others, including those who hate us, and persecute us, and even those we don't like. Tonight, you'll be lucky or be glad to know that we're not going to go through all 20, because we would be here to midnight, Diane, and you don't want to be here that late, do you? So we'll get to verse 13, and we'll plan at some point, perhaps next year, at some point, to go on. So, let's look together. Hate what is evil in verse 9, cling to what is good. So we're to love. 
But if we want to show that we really love God, then we are to hate what God hates and be glued to all that is good, wholesome, loving and pleasing to God. For example, God hates injustice. And so therefore we also are to hate all manner of injustice. We are also to speak up for justice when acts of injustice come to our attention. That's part of love. And we're to turn away from and get rid of all that which God hates in our life. We are to turn towards goodness and living right with God. God cannot abide sin and evil and neither should those who claim to love him and follow him. We are to cling to all that is good, holy and helpful. Want to know what is right to do? Ask God and he will tell you. He may even surprise you with what he would have you do against all your own expectations, such as sending me here for the past 25 years when I thought he said six months. We're to cling to all that is good, perfect, right and true. And one way to do that is to read your Bible, read it often, listen to the Holy Spirit as he teaches you. Next, verse 10. Honour one another above yourselves. Or as another translation puts it, be devoted to one another in love. Paul here commands that these Roman Christians are to love each other with genuine affection and devotion to each other. That will have been particularly difficult at the time that Paul wrote this letter. All the Jewish Christians had been evicted from Rome a few years earlier, along with their non-Christian compatriots. Now they are allowed back in, and it is very likely some of the Gentile Christians who had taken charge of the church in their absence may not have been too pleased, to say the least. Yes, Christians are to love all others, including those who are not believers, but they are to love especially other Christian believers because we are one body. After all, they are Christians and we are part of this one body together. Paul talked about that earlier in this chapter. There is only one Saviour, Jesus. There is only one Holy Spirit living within believers. There is only one God, Father, Son and Spirit. And Paul instructs these believers to be totally devoted to each other, having the welfare of others on their hearts and their minds. Is that your experience of church life in the 21st century? When one of us is weak, the other believers are to act and strengthen that weak member. They're all to hold on to each other as family through their committed love and faith in and of Jesus Christ, who is their master. There is to be genuine family affection and love between them all, without division, even if they are Gentile and Jewish. And just as it was for the original uh, receivers of this letter, so it is for us, the church in the 21st century, for those who claim to love and follow Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, who died, rose again, ascended back to the right hand of God the Father the Jesus who is to be the master and king of the church, this church, the one we want to help people find and follow. Is it not? 
And how is this genuine affection for other to be seen? It is seen as each believer holds all other believers in the highest honour. Honouring others is where the interest of others comes before self-interest. However, it's not just honouring, but also delighting in the other. Where there is family, love, delight and honour, there can be no division, arguments or strife. Can there? Could that describe us as a church? Or indeed all the believers in our town? Perhaps in the UK? Do we indeed hold each other in genuine affection, delight, devotion and honour? We continue in verse 11. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour serving the Lord. Remember those gifts we looked at last week? How are you doing with them? How are you developing them and using them as you ought? As we know, all of us are to use our gifts and so develop them, work hard at them, ensuring ensuring our service of God is with great zeal and delight. You and I will be held accountable by God for the use and development of the gifts he has given us. Were you aware of that? We're also to work hard at loving others and particularly loving those other believers that we know as they are our family because of Jesus. That is the immediate context. We are to work on our Christian lives utilising the power of the Holy Spirit as he changes us into the image of God the Son, Jesus Christ. Yes, that can be hard work too, can't it? But we're not to give up. It will be worth it. In everything we do, we are to do it with zeal as we serve our God, regardless of what it is we are to do. Why and how can we serve our God with zeal and enthusiasm in all the things that we do? The answer is in the next verse. Verse 12. Be joyful in hope. We can serve our God with zeal and enthusiasm and love because we have an assured and confident hope which should be a fantastic cause for joy and celebration, should it not? Here is this assured hope for those who would call themselves Christian. The Christian has peace with God which takes care of our past. God no longer holds our sins and wrongdoings against us. The Christian has access to God at all times, which takes care of the present. We can come to him whenever we desire. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 52.14 weeks of the year. The Christian has a glorious hope which takes care of our future the expectation of the return of Jesus Christ and of the expectation of going to be with him when we die. That's surely worth a wow. And when Jesus comes again, there'll be an amazing time of glory to follow, both for those who are alive and for those who have fallen asleep. Hope is the glory of salvation for all those who call Jesus Christ their Lord and their Saviour. Our hope is in him who is to be the object of our faith and to be our life. Who is your hope in? 
And how are to be full of joy or to rejoice? We do so by filling our minds with the hope of the glory to come. But we're not to be so heavenly minded that we're of no earthly use. And how can you and I run this race? We run it by having our focus set purely on Jesus. Those were my baptism verses from Hebrews 12 several decades ago as I rebelled against my parents and became a Christian. Those dangerous Christians in that dangerous church. Oh dear. And we keep him in focus each day from the time we wake up to the time we go to bed by living each minute of each day for him and let him get all the glory and honour in all things that we do for him. Rejoicing or being full of joy doesn't mean going around with a perpetual big silly grin on our face, but it is an attitude, a confident and a sincere hope. Why can we be confident of this great hope? Because God is ever faithful. Just as Jesus Christ was raised from the dead with a new body three days after his death, so will all those who are Christians. I bet some of us can't wait, can we, to have our new bodies. I want a new right knee, but I don't think I'm going to get one just yet. And we go on in verse 12. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. As part of having a confident hope, Paul now commands these Roman Christians to be patient during trouble and to keep on praying. Oh, they knew what trouble was, didn't they? Just a few years later, after receiving this letter, open persecution of Christians came upon them. And it would be hitting them hard under that horrible little man, the Emperor Nero. And how can we overcome and persevere in the 21st century? Just as it was for the Roman Christians, it's relevant for us today as it was for those original recipients of this letter. Why? Because we as Christians have this great hope in the return of Jesus. This Jesus who is our Lord and our Master. This amazing hope which will be the fullness of our salvation. Can't wait. I've been sent back at least twice so far. Someone's been praying for me. And this amazing hope means we can be patient in times of trouble and we persevere as we rely on God the Holy Spirit, the seal and mark of our salvation who lives within us to empower and seal us as God's child. And that doesn't mean we won't have trouble in this life. That would be truly absurd, wouldn't it? But it does mean that whatever we face, God is with us. And some of us here have had more trouble than I've ever had. Haven't we? Ask those Syrian Christians in the refugee camp in Calais. But they know that God is with them. That's why they built that church. Much to the disgust of some people in this country. And God is a personal God. And if you're a Christian, then his Holy Spirit lives within you. How easily we forget We can also face troubles because we're not alone. We are one body, aren't we, church? And when one of us suffers in any way, we're all suffering, even if we're not aware of it. 
And God himself helps us to persevere as he sustains, carries and empowers. Whatever trials and troubles we're going through, we are not alone. God is with us and we have the loving community of the church devoted to us, remember, around us. Again, how easy it is to forget. We're not to listen to anybody who tells us differently, including old Satan who will tell you lies in order to try and get you to give up on God. We're not alone because there is only one body of Christ, the universal church. And another reason we can be patient and persevere is because God perseveres with us. Sometimes he has to give us a little tickle or a kick or a clip round the ear in my case. Sounds like I'm not alone in having that. And he does this through the continuous work of the Holy Spirit in our life. As a Christian, we will never perish. And nobody and nothing can snatch us out of God's hands. Nothing can separate us from the love of God because we are shielded by his power. That is part of our confident hope as Christians, which is why you and I can persevere with patience through all types of trials and troubles. And another part of our hope is that God's whole purpose for you, as we saw together last week, is to transform you into the image of his son Jesus. And we keep on praying earnestly to God. It's one way God the Holy Spirit empowers us. As we pray, Jesus also prays for us. Prayer is to have a high priority in our life and not just five minutes in the morning as you wake up, yawn and say, good morning, Dad. But to maintain a prayerful attitude throughout the day. When I was discipled back in the 80s, that was when it was impressed upon me and I am grateful for that discipline instilled within me. And as the conflicts and troubles come upon us, let us remember he, that is God, who lives within you, is greater than he, that is Satan, who lives in the world. Again, wow. Coming up to our last point tonight, here in verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Here Paul is referring to helping other Christians in need as and when we can. By helping other needy people in the church, such love reflects God's love. As well as evangelism, the church also has a social mission to help cover the needs of those, both inside the church and out. And part of that need would be giving hospitality to people. We should be looking to pursue opportunities to give hospitality, and not just when it's convenient for ourselves. Jesus taught in the parable of the sheep and the goats from Matthew chapter 25 that any act of love and mercy we do for others was also an act of love and mercy toward him. How's our hospitality going? And when we provide the needs of others and practice hospitality, we are also reaching out to others, just as God reaches out. Perhaps one of the greatest sins of our generation, in this country anyway, is the neglect to do good to other people. Doing good by supplying needs and practicing hospitality. Remember, sin is not just doing bad things, 
It is also not doing good when we have the opportunity. Passive disobedience. So, let's uh, conclude. Tonight we've seen together practical love. Real love. Love in action. As Christians living in the 21st century, here in southern England, we are to love God, love each other, and love all others, including those who want us dead. And there are some in this world who want that, aren't there? Probably some in this country, but hiding it under a cloak. And our response, our response is to be like this. We're to sincerely love all others extravagantly, We are to hate what is evil by clinging to what is good. We are to be so devoted to one another in love and this devotion and love is revealed to all as we honour others above our own selves, taking delight in them. We are to be enthusiastically showing that we serve God with the gifts that he has given us out of his grace and his love towards us. And we do this in order to keep our spiritual fervour alive and burning brightly. We're to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and to be faithful in prayer as we continue in our relationship with the living God whom we choose to follow. And finally, we're to share with those who are in need, and one fabulous way to do that is to practice hospitality. Are you like me in struggling in any of these areas, and we'll need all of them. Well, hope is at hand. We can rely on God, the Holy Spirit, to empower us. We can listen to his wisdom and follow his instructions. And we have to remember he lives within us. It still amazes me, even having being a Christian now over 30 years. We Christians show that we love God by loving others in practical ways. It could be inviting them to a service or activity here at PBC. It could be helping the needy and practicing hospitality to show our salvation to those in need of embracing Jesus' love for them, helping them to find and follow Jesus. Let's go from here, determined to love God extravagantly by using those gifts and talents that we have. We can show our community that our God lives and is alive forevermore. And we can do this by loving each other extravagantly and sacrificially. Not just to those we like, but all others. Using our gifts and loving others involves taking risks. How are we as individuals and as a church reaching out to those in our community and nation who are housebound, isolated and unable to get to church? Because I find they are often forgotten. Are they not? It's an imperative that we help them find and follow Jesus. Yet more often than not, that don't matter. They can't come to us. What, why do we care? There's a general observation. People in churches of the 21st century are not very good at taking risks. One reason that they're too scared of not getting a good return on their investment of money and time. But we can change that. We serve God with a creative passion to achieve the seemingly impossible. If God has said do it, then we are to do it. Are we not? Both as person, as individuals and as a church. This community needs God. 
We can help them to find and follow Jesus Christ. Each one of us. What a privilege. Let's pray. And then we'll have a song and then Bruce will come up for communion. Father, thank you for this amazing letter of Romans. We thank you for the Apostle Paul and the amazing change around and transformation that took place in his life. And if you can change him, then you can change me. and You can change each one of us. And we are being constantly changed into the image of your son, Jesus. Help us, Father, in the weeks and days and months to come to be Jesus to other people to show this amazing love of yours to them so that at least one other person is there with you because of us. Thank you again for this time that we can come together and worship and praise and come around your word as acts of worship to you, the living God. We pray this to you, O Father, in the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within us, unifies us, seals us as your children. In the name of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus, Amen.